We're going to start with Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which leads to dissipation, or another word is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. These scriptures are incredibly relevant for our culture today. This is some of the most relevant scriptures I could pull out. Let's go back to verse 17. Walk circumspectly. That word in the Greek is the Greek word acrobat. Same as the English word acrobat. It means to perform fantastic gymnastic feats with excellence and perfection. It means that we have to walk through life like a perfect acrobat. It means that many times we feel like we're walking a tightrope, and at any minute, one wrong step, one wrong fall, and everything's going to come crumbling down. It means that there's perils and death all around you. It means if you get off the path, you're going to die. It means that fear can be rampant in your life at all times if you're not keeping your eyes on the Word of God, on Christ himself, and staying steady on the path. You know, when you walk a tightrope or a high wire, you better know that rope or that wire, and it's one foot right in front of the other. You're focused, you're diligent, and you can't get distracted. One wrong look, one wrong step, and you could die. It says, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I would hands down say that we're living in some real evil days. Now, it's funny because this, these Scriptures were written thousands of years ago, but how relevant is it for today? The days around us are evil. Evil is everywhere around us. And so we are challenged to make sure that we are living our life with excellence and perfection according to God's word. It means that we are staying on the path like the Lord admonished Joshua to do when he got into the promised land. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right, but eat and meditate on this word day and night so that you don't get deceived and distracted and destroyed. The days are evil, but when we walk circumspectly and we're led by the Holy Spirit, we can redeem the time. Now, I'm not talking about the, the scriptures just prior to this, but I do want to summarize it for you. The whole premise of the, the four or five verses prior to this passage is walking in the light. And that anything that's manifesting in our life is manifesting because the light is revealing it. So when you start combusting or your sexual issues come out or your alcoholis, alcoholistic tendencies, when you become a crazy, per, a cray-cray person, when you go sideways, when you do things you shouldn't do, what happens is the light is magnifying those issues and then other people start to see it. So you can only hide for so long. But eventually, those issues are going to come out of your light, out of your life. And it's only the light that can reveal it and heal it. It's only the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit that can turn things around and lead you in the right direction. And then there's a wonderful passage that says that 
We are to find out what the will of God is or discover what the will of God is. And the only way to discover what the will of God is is to live and walk in the light. Now, that's the few passages prior to this verse. All right, so we're going to go back to verse 15. And so because of that, it's important that we walk circumspectly. You will not be a good acrobat in the dark. Just think about it for a minute. I mean, does anybody feel like they're having to walk through life performing fantastic gymnastic feats with excellence? And you're not so excellent? Anybody. You're tripping, you're falling, you're stumbling. Does anybody feel that way? That everybody around you, it seems like, to be is tripping and falling, and you are too. But the Lord sets a standard that we're to walk very diligently to pay attention to everything that's around us because there's always something trying to trip you up. So the key is to walk in the light, live in the light, stay in the light, because nothing can hide in the light. And because of that, you're to walk circumspectly, you're to pay attention, you're to be diligent, and to be extremely careful about all the things that are around your life that want to trip you up at all times. You're not supposed to be a fool, but you're supposed to be wise. And in turn, when you do those things, you can redeem the time. I just want to briefly touch on that because sometimes you feel like you've burned things down so bad that you're going to be at a loss the rest of your life and you feel stuck, and which leads to hopelessness. Do any of you ever feel hopeless? Do any of you feel like you've bombed it so bad or made so many mistakes, you've burned so many bridges in your life that there's no coming back? But I want to tell you, there is a coming back. Right here it is in the Scripture. You can redeem the time. That's the whole premise of Joel chapter 2, is that what the canker worm has stolen... All the things that have been robbed from your life, when you come back to the Lord, God brings restoration. Literally, the Lord can restore your innocence and bring you back to being like a child. I don't care how many people you slept with. God can restore, in a sense, spiritual virginity to your life and make you whole again. You don't have to live stuck in your past, beloved. The days are evil but there is hope. And so because of that, notice in verse 17, it says, therefore, everybody say, therefore. Therefore. So because we need to walk in the light and walk circumspectly and uh, not be fools, it says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with with the Spirit. So the premise is the days are evil. Pay close attention to how you live your life by walking circumspectly. Don't be a fool, but rather walk in wisdom. Now, I did a whole teaching on wisdom and heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. There are two types of wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes from heaven that is God's perfect plan, perfect desire, and perfect will, and there's earthly wisdom. A lot of Other religions practice earthly wisdom that appears to look like heavenly wisdom, or they're counterfeits of the true wisdom of God. They take bits and pieces, and they manipulate them to look like truth. Buddhism is a classic example of that, all right? But 
There's a wisdom that comes from heaven, and there's a wisdom that comes from God's word that you will not find anywhere else, which is why it's so important that you get that kind of wisdom and guidance and direction in your life. It says to gain understanding of what the Lord's will is for your life. What does it mean to gain understanding of the Lord's will for your life? It means that you need discernment. You need discernment. And it's discernment that isn't based on feelings and emotions, but rather truth in the word of God. Because if I lean on my feelings and emotions, I'm sure to be led astray because I'm a high feeler. I'm sensitive, and a lot of times my feelings are lying to me. My emotions are lying to me. What I think I need is really just a want and not a need. And then my desires and my feelings take root and lead me astray. That's why you can't trust your heart. I said, oh, just trust your heart. No, 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 no. The heart can be deceitfully wicked. I'm going to trust the spirit instead of my heart. Amen? Then it goes on to talking about being filled with the spirit versus being filled with wine. Wine leads to dissipation, which really the, the most essence way that I can explain it is to be stupid. It causes you to do things that you shouldn't do. It causes you to make poor choices and poor decisions that you shouldn't be making, but instead you should be filled with the Spirit. So I wrote it this way, stop getting intoxicated through alcohol or drugs, but rather be filled with the Spirit, which is so much better for so many reasons. And this is going to be the focus of my message today. It's the critical importance that we must remain filled with the Holy Spirit continuously, either filled for the first time or repeatedly filled consistently. And this is going to be a setup for Pentecost Sunday, which is next week. The tense of the Greek word translated filled. I want to talk about this. This is important. The tense of this Greek word translated filled indicates that filling is a moment-by-moment repeatable action. It's a moment-by-moment repeatable action. It's not a one-time event that happened a long, long time ago in a forgotten bygone era when I was 10 or 15 or 20 or at the Activate Conference four years ago. Being filled is an ongoing desperate need and requirement that we all must have happening in our life on a daily basis. I even would say minute by minute. It's something that Paul commands the believers at Ephesus to do after they had already had their baptism of the Holy Spirit experience in Acts 19.6. In Acts 19.6, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Paul shows up to Ephesus, asks them if they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're like, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So they said, how have you been baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized in the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. So then it goes on to say that they received another baptism, a second water baptism in water, the baptism of Jesus in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he laid hands on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Two baptisms. And a lot of people don't understand that there are two baptisms. Now, they can happen at the same time, or they can happen at separate times. When Jesus went into the water to be baptized, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him, and then the Father spoke from heaven, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And so, in many cases in the book of Acts and in the Bible, we see a second encounter and a second experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Being filled is the next step. Everybody say the next step. It's the next step beyond being sealed. It's the next step beyond being sealed, which is an act. Or is Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4 talks about being sealed with the Holy Spirit under the day of our redemption. It's the next step beyond being sealed, which happens at the new birth. So when you have the new birth and you're born again, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You're sealed until the day of your redemption. In other words, not all Christians are spirit-filled, but all have been sealed with the Holy Spirit when they're born again. But not everyone is spirit-filled. Now, there's going to be people who are going to fight me tooth and nail on this. There are people that do not believe this doctrine, but I'll go toe-to-toe. There are so many scriptures, and that's where we get our motto, because there's more. There is more. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples before he was crucified, buried, and resurrected, and then he said, go wait 10 days until you're filled. They were already believers, they were already disciples, and they'd already been breathed on. But you know what? You need to go wait because more's coming. Everybody say, more's coming. So what people say is, you, it's, there's one baptism, you're sealed, there's not two baptisms. That's a lie, and I don't believe that doctrinally. And I stand firm on that, that God has more for you. God wants to empower you with more. He wants to do more in your life. So it's not just a one-time event, but it's an ongoing need because there's more. The Father has more in store for you. He wants to show you himself. Listen to this. He wants to show you himself and show himself to you in greater measure And he wants to use you to show himself to others in greater measure by his power. And that's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. You experience the more of God. You're overflowing. It's like when you get born again, you take a dirty cup, you clean it out. God cleans it out, puts his spirit inside of you, seals it. Now take that cup out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico and submerse it in the ocean. That's overflowing and surrounded That's what it means to be endued with power, is that now it's not just in you, but it's coming out of you and overflowing around you in greater measure. Every single one of us needs this. I need it desperately, because the minute I stop having encounters and experiences and being filled with the Spirit is the minute that I become lukewarm. God doesn't want, he doesn't like lukewarm Christians So much so, he spews them out of his mouth. And I don't want to be spit out of the mouth of God because I've been lukewarm. And if I'm preaching this to myself, because everything in this world wants to make me lukewarm. Entertainment, social media, my flesh, my desires, the things I think I want, the the things I'm crying out for that I know aren't healthy. The only answer to that is to be filled with the Spirit. And I can assure you so many people turn to drugs and alcohol because they haven't tasted something better. There is a reason why the scripture compares getting drunk and intoxicated or high and inebriated. We'll use them both together. I get it, it's saying alcohol. But it's drunk and inebriated or, or, or drunk and intoxicated or high and inebriated versus being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It all comes down to influence and control to one thing or another. It's all about influence and control. Alcohol and drugs, which leads to selfish and demonic control, or the Holy Spirit, which leads to true life, love, and submitting to one another in the fear of God, Ephesians 5.21. So it goes on a little further, and it talks about the result of being drunk or being filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. You start to sing different. Listen to me. You start to sing different. You talk different. You worship different. You, let, you start to sing spiritual songs now, I don't, I don't just have to have a good old-time hymn where I know the words, but I'm I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm worshiping in the Spirit, because now the language of the influence of the Holy Spirit in me is making me worship differently. And in turn, now, because this is the thing, one thing leads to exploiting one another and using them for your selfish gain. The other one leads to submitting to you in the fear of God. You know why I don't take from you? Because I'm walking in the fear of God. You know why I don't want to see you with your clothes off? Because I'm submitted to you in the fear of God. And I'm going to tell you that the fear of God and the Holy Spirit and sober-minded is critical in this day and age. I'm, you are not going to walk circumspectly as an acrobat when you're inebriated. It's awfully quiet in this Methodist church. Look at the difference. Let's, I'm going to teach you some deep stuff today. Look at the difference between being inhibited or uninhibited to understand influence better. It, it really comes down to influence, but I want you to understand the difference between being inhibited or uninhibited. To be inhibited means to be hindered, restrained, prevented, or prohibited from doing something, especially something you shouldn't be doing or giving yourself to. Or... You're so self-conscious, you're unable to act in a relaxed and natural way. Your self-consciousness is inhibiting you to be your true self. This is why there's people that I'll witness to or talk to that are closed up and shut down and never want to talk to me until they have a shot of tequila or they have a drink of wine, and then suddenly they become uninhibited or relaxed to the point where they feel like they can be themselves, and it all just comes roaring out. I'm like, let it out, brother. It's okay. I'm here for you. But to be inhibited, or I'm sorry, to be uninhibited, is the ability to express your feelings or thoughts unselfconsciously and without restraint. We should never need anything outside of the Holy Spirit's influence for freedom to be ourselves with others. Some people are not are unable to, or they feel like they're unable to be themselves unless they're having a drink, to have real deep conversation without alcohol or drugs. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate stimulator and is never a depressant that leads to poor choices. So let's talk about the difference between a stimulant and a depressant. A stimulant raises levels of uh, <clears throat> psychological or nervous activity in the body or biological system that encourages interest or activity. That's why I like coffee. It's a stimulant. Or sometimes a pre-workout when I go to the gym. 
I like that little extra boost that causes me to have more fervency and interest and excitement in my activity at times. But do you know what a depressant is? Alcohol actually is technically a depressant. It stimulates you at first and then can lead to you being depressed after if you're not careful. Same with drugs. A depressant reduces the, func- it reduces the function of the central nervous system. Or another way to say it is your mental activity is slowed down. Alcohol is technically a depressant that hinders the ability to think rationally, and it distorts both perception and judgment. It also slows physical and mental reactions to stimuli and lessens personal inhibitions. It lessens personal inhibitions, right? But the issue with stimulants or depressants comes down to influence, control, inhibition, and being sober-minded. So getting high, if, let's say they legalize marijuana here in Texas. The issue is not whether you should or shouldn't. It's a sober-minded, spirit-led issue. That's what the issue is. It's what the Holy Spirit says. Others may, but I may not. Being sober-minded is how you are both prior and after stimulation. Being sober-minded is how you are before and how you are after. Now, I get it. Some people really like to enjoy a glass of wine or two because the depressant reduces that crazy grinding wheels inside of your head. And it relaxes you. It causes you to feel a little bit better, not be as stressed out. And in some cases, that's okay unless you're dependent on it and you need it and you're not sober-minded prior. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? The issue is how you are before. The state of your life, because a lot of people's their marriage is falling apart. You got porn, porn issues. You got all kinds of anger issues, unforgiveness issues. All you need to do is take a drink, and it's like putting a highlighter on top of your issues. Whereas a, the Holy Spirit's like putting a highlighter on top of the Word of God. How many of you like highlighting your Bible? I highlight my Bible, and in my, my app on my phone, I got highlights everywhere. Green, purple, yellow. Both are highlighters, right? Being sober-minded is how you are both before and after. This is why our heart posture, or what I'm going to call soul health. How's your soul? How's your soul today? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Are you angry, bitter? You know, I was here in worship this morning, and something, it's funny because it's what worship does. Right in the middle of worship, the Lord reveals to me an issue that I have with someone. And I was, I already been down this road. I said, Lord, I already pre-forgive that person. I pre-forgive that person before they even come to me, before we even talk. I'm gonna choose in advance when the issue may be valid. I may be fully right. I'm choosing in advance to pre-forgive. This is why your heart posture, your soul health, mental health, and spiritual fervency prior to putting anything in your body that could potentially be harmful is key. 
I would suggest most people look to drugs and alcohol to relax and unwind and let go of being so self-conscious and living in their head so intensely. Or for some, it's to numb out the hurt or pain that rages like a violent tempest inside of them, both consciously or subconsciously. Look, you don't always know your issues. You may think you know. You may think that you're healed. You may think that you're fine. But there can be things that happened to us in our childhood that so subconsciously influenced us that 30, 40 years later are still affecting your personality and how well you communicate and love and preserve and hide yourself. You don't even know that they're all there. The Holy Spirit has a way of both inhibiting you from being and doing something stupid when you want to get intoxicated, but he also has a way of uninhibiting you, which I'll talk about. He's a restrainer when you so desperately need to be restrained. He also reveals the counterfeit lies hidden within us that would cause us to want to mask or cover up the darkness that envelops us in our issues. So any darkness inside of me that's being, or issues or unresolved issues or bad root systems that's being wrapped around in darkness that I don't even know is there, the Holy Spirit has this way of highlighting those to me. And on the flip side, the Holy Spirit also has a way of revealing and healing those issues and giving you a healthy, sound mind. Without the Holy Spirit actively involved in working in our lives on a minute-by-minute basis, we're all prone to look to other things for comfort, stimulation, and inhibition through outside sources. I am too. I'm not immune to this. This is why we must be aggressive. You must be an aggressive church. Aggressive for the word of God. Aggressive to be led by the spirit. Aggressive for the power of the spirit. Why would anybody have an issue with praying in tongues? Because you don't understand it? Because somebody taught you it was abnormal? Praying in the spirit has this way of getting you out of yourself and into the mind of God. Because you don't know how to pray as you ought to. So the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. But because you don't understand it and you can't rationalize it and bring it into your little mortal mind. One of the most beautiful things about the Holy Spirit, who is likened to new wine, by the way. The Holy Spirit is likened to new wine in Matthew 9, 17. This is a big part of the understanding of the fast. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin. But God wants to fill you with new wine. That's his spirit. The Holy Spirit's likened to new wine for a reason. One of the most beautiful things about the Holy Spirit is that he inhibits us from loving or not loving others selfishly. So I'm inhibited when I want to make a decision or strike a deal or get something from you erroneously. Whenever I'm not walking in perfect love, the Holy Spirit restrains me to love you so that I can love you perfectly. Or he both inhibits and uninhibits, by the way. Or the Holy Spirit uninhibits me so that I can actually be free to be my true self in how I love and witness to other people. I grew up in a generation that said, challenge everything. And that real freedom is the ability to do whatever it is that you want to do and do it no matter what. I lived in a world with no consequences. I never thought twice about going to prison. And guess what? I went to prison. And so what happens is, is that when the Holy Spirit uninhibits me to be free, 
I'm actually free because I don't want to do it or I realize I shouldn't and I'm obedient not to. That's real freedom. Yes, you can do it if you want. God still has all the drugs and alcohol available for most anyone to get at any time. But the real freedom is to say no. The real freedom is the power to choose and to choose the right way. Does everybody understand what I'm saying to you? It's not a straitjacket lifestyle. Nobody's trying to, con- it's not that God wants to shut you down from having fun until you can't do anything. But real fun is when I'm in my right mind and sober-minded and healthy to have real conversations or to really laugh and enjoy the things of God and the things of this world and my family, not because I had to get high to do it. Because for me, getting high for all those years, I smoked more pot and swore I'd, I'd smoke pot all the days of my life. I was a huge advocate for the legalization of marijuana. I was a part of Normal, the National Organization and Reformation of Marijuana Laws. My attorney that represented me when I was facing my charges in Ohio was part of Normal. It's funny that they call that Normal, which is so not Normal. But for me, man, I got high night and day and did hits and bongs and joints. Why? Because in order for me to really be free and to have fun and for my personality to really come out or to play the percussion, and man, I really thought that I could play really well and be inspired and creative if I was high. But the real freedom came when I actually was influenced by the Holy Spirit that was so much better and real, and I was really myself, and the real me was coming out, not the masked me. This is real freedom, beloved. This is real freedom. The Holy Spirit's true inhibition is true freedom. It's true freedom. Meaning, I know the truth, I'm hiding nothing, and I'm free without care or fear to love you perfectly at all times. Nothing's hidden anymore. And so I'm free to really love right. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is vital to greater and more effective witnessing and Holy Spirit power-driven ministry. We receive power for a purpose. Everybody say power with a purpose. Power with a purpose. And you will be my witnesses. Acts chapter one, verse eight. When you receive power from the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in greater effect, both locally in your state and in your nation and the world around you. For what's about to come and what you're about to do. You need greater power and a greater effective ministry and understanding from the Holy Spirit and authority in order to withstand what lies in front of you and what we're dealing with today. Notice the whole thing was walk circumspectly for the days are evil. Be filled with the Spirit. Again, last week I talked about King Lemuel's mother and right out of the bat in Proverbs 31, it was all about strong drink, strong intoxicating drink or getting high and women. But it goes both ways, men too. With the power comes the gifts that aren't actively and consistently present prior to the experience. Acts 2.4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to do something that they had never, ever, ever done before. See it. Once they were filled, suddenly something shifted in your life. Something changed in your life. You spoke a new language. You talked a different way. You loved differently. You moved in power differently. And the Holy Spirit was moving through you differently. 
These are called the gifts of the Spirit. And when you get them, you move, speak, witness, and demonstrate God's love and power differently. You need the gifts of the Spirit active in your life, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We may talk more about that next week. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the working of miracles. How many of you need miracles in your life? It doesn't say magic. It doesn't say the working of magic. This isn't the magic kingdom. This is the miraculous kingdom. The gifts are like fertilizer to the fruit. So everybody gets the fruit of the Spirit when you're born again because you're sealed with the Spirit. What are the gifts to the fruit? The gifts are fertilizer to help you grow more fruit in your life. See the gifts as fertilizer. Not only by the, not only by the gifts do you get more power to move supernaturally, but you get more fervency and urgency that comes when you're under the complete control and influence of the Holy Spirit. So people would say, how do you get so much authority? The disciples had a greater measure of authority that they couldn't be refuted. Jesus, when he first stepped on the scene, the first thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people said is, we are blown away by the measure and level of authority by by which this man preaches. And again, it's this power and urgency and fervency that comes to reproduce properly. It's like adding a highlighter to the word of God in your life and also to the issues that are hiding in darkness in your life. Witnessing, reproducing, and multiplication are all synonymous. And they all come in greater measure with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Empowerment leads to greater authority, which leads to greater reproduction. So if the filling was about witnessing, it's witnessing so that you can reproduce in the kingdom of God. All of us are called to go and make disciples of all nations, but we need a greater fervency and equipping and empowering so that we can reproduce properly. I'm telling you right now, when we're sidetracked and not staying full, we're reproducing something erroneously. Because we all have a burning, passionate desire worked in our DNA from God to reproduce. So if you're not being filled with the Spirit, you're going to be filled with alcohol or drugs or fill in your thing. Fill in your thing. You're going to be passionate about something. What does God want you to be passionate about? Reproducing the life of who he is in the kingdom of God into your children, your family, your friends, your coworkers, and your future. This means you're always on a mission to love properly and witness to people's lives through how you live your life and how you speak to them. But if you're sidetracked and you're not full of the spirit, you're gonna be self-conscious, you're gonna be restrained in an unhealthy way, and your eyesight will be focused on making money, your career, material possessions, It's the next thing. Amazon, oh my gosh. Some people just keep, look at Amazon. You know how those things pop up on Facebook where Amazon shows you all these things you don't have any need for, but so cool that suddenly you think you have a need of? It's like, I didn't even know they made that. And then I start just to see what has been created that I've never even known before. And next thing you know, you buy it and you don't even need it. You know, like the little electric, there's a little electric uh, uh, 
uh, spout that you can put in your milk so that when you open the door, you just hold the cup under and it pours your drink or your milk for you. You do not need that. Don't buy it. That's the stupidest thing. Or how about, I'm going to bust some of your bubbles. How about the, the electric uh, shaker bottles to make your little smoothie or your little protein shake? Push the button and it makes it. It's like, that's cool. You don't need that. Shake the bottle. <clears throat> Listen. Being filled with the Spirit is about greater empowerment and greater authority so that you'll do, you will step into the will and the purposes of God for your life more effectively. All of us need to be repeatedly filled. When was the last time you were filled with the Spirit? I'm, you can answer that question for yourself. Why is being filled with the Holy Spirit and alcohol compared to each other in Ephesians 5.18? Sometimes the Holy Spirit acts as a depressant to get you out of your mind in a healthy way by getting you into his mind and heart. This is where we get the term being drunk in the spirit. And have you ever heard about that before? This is where trances come in. And if you know what a trance is, a transient state, both Peter and Paul were in trances. This is where we get the scripture, the importance of being beside ourselves, 2 Corinthians 5.13. If I'm out of my mind, this is what this means. If I'm beside myself, it's for God. But if I'm of a sound mind, it's for you. Remember what I've taught you. You've got to get out of yourself so that you can get into your right mind for other people. That's why you have to be filled with the Spirit. When you get filled with the Spirit, you have dreams, visions, Encounters, power, signs, wonders, miracles, the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, praying in tongues, all the things become active in your life. That's why prior to Pentecost, the disciples were hiding in fear, and you saw none of them performing miracles in the public with confidence. Take me to task on it. Yeah, they were praying at Pentecost. We'll celebrate that next week, but they weren't out in the streets being moved in unusual miracles and signs and wonders, but post-Pentecost they were. They preached with power and performed incredibly. They performed incredible and unusual signs, wonders, and miracles. The outpouring uninhibited them from themselves without any outside stimulant or depressant aside from the Holy Spirit's influence. All they needed to do was take a drink and be filled with God himself in greater measure. To be filled means to be fully furnished and supplied to max capacity. It's filled to the brim. It's overflowing. Another meaning for the word filled is to consummate. And we're going to talk about that in our worship series this summer, of what it means to kiss the sun. What it means in intimacy when you consummate something with the Lord in worship and you feel his overwhelming power and presence overshadow you like the Holy Spirit did with Mary. God wants to overshadow you, to be consummated, with the Lord in intimacy by being filled means that he'll see you through to the end so that you can carry out your purpose and fulfill and execute everything God puts in front of you properly. Today is the why you need to be filled. Next week, we're going to focus on when it happened in the Bible, more of what it looks like, 
and the purpose and how to get and stay full all the time. Every day I'm in a battle, and so are you. Your attention, your focus, your desires, every day, life and death stands before us. Sometimes minute by minute in how we think. I want to say to all of you, you need to be filled. Now, the question you should be asking is, how do I get filled? How do I get this in my life? I need it so desperately. I know that I want it. Well, we're going to talk more about that next week on Pentecost. But let me say this to you. Jesus is the one that does the baptizing. I have a friend was at his house a long time ago in Houston. We were sitting in the living room and John Dawson came on the TV. He's the guy that is the paranormal guy that talks to the dead. And there's a few of the Long Island medium. There's a bunch of those out there. It's like, what do you think about that? I said, well, it's demonic, but you'd have to have the Holy Spirit to understand that. You got to be baptized. And he's like, well, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I said, no, you have to have a greater understanding. You know, when people that are having marriage issues or you're having problems in your life, one of the things that we realize here at Rock City is if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit for the more, then those issues don't get highlighted from the Holy Spirit to you in greater measure. And so he thought about that all night long. The next morning he said, how do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do I need to take a class? Like a water bath? Or it's like, I ask people all the time, you've been baptized in the church? like, yeah, I've been baptized in water. I said, that's not what I'm talking about. There's another baptism. So he said, well, well, what do I need to do? What must I do to get that? And there's a lot of ways it can happen. It can happen in the shower. It can happen driving your car. But it is an experience. It is an encounter. It is an overshadowing. It is a further equipping. It is being filled where there's empty places in your life. I, have, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in prison with Gideons in a chapel service. But I have made it a point in 32 years, over 32 years, to stay full. And whenever I leak out, drip out, or get my focus elsewhere, I feel empty. There are so many different ways and things that I can do for the Holy Spirit to fill me back up. Repentance being at the top. Second is putting myself in atmospheres that cause the things inside of me to regrow. You can take a great seed, the best seed on earth that was designed to grow in a tropical climate and go put it in a tundra climate and it's going to die. Climate and atmospheres are important. And Rock City will always be an atmosphere that cultivates the filling and the more that the Holy Spirit has for all of us. Worship. Worship is a great way. Time in the Word, intimacy, desperately desiring it, seeking it. And we'll talk more about that. But you've got to say, yes, I want it. And you have to realize your need for it. That's where it starts today. I need to be filled up. And when you want to be filled up, you'll do whatever it takes to get filled up. Right? It's like an alcoholic that so desperately needs a drink and will do anything to get the drink. That's the way it's got to be with the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand. All right, so, you, so we're going to go headlong into Pentecost this next week. What I want you to do is I want you to posture your heart to say, I want more. 
God doesn't want to leave you the same. How many of you'd like to stay the same? Anybody want to stay the same? I can give you the best message, best preaching, best books, best podcast. None of that's going to transform you. Only the Holy Spirit filling your life can transform you. And if you're not born again and, and you're unsure about it, say to the Lord, Lord, come into my life. I want all that you have for me and repent. Say, I'm sorry. And just tell him, Lord, I want what you want, period. Lead my life, God. That's what I want you to do. Lead my life, God. Lead my life. I want what you want in my life. So just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. I know we're out of time, but it is what it is. Just lift your hands to the Lord. You know, if you really want to change and you don't want to stay the same, I'm telling you, you'll do whatever it takes. Only the desperate survive. all pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, I need more. I don't want to stay the same. I'm sorry, Lord, for looking to other things to stimulate me or to depress my mind and my thoughts. I'm sorry for believing lies that I need those things to truly be free. I don't need them. I need you. I need all of you. Have mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you that I'm sober-minded because you did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you that you equip me for who I am, what I'm to do, and what lies ahead. I want more of you, Lord, whatever it looks like. I'll prophesy. I'll pray in tongues. I'll interpret tongues. I'll lay hands on the sick. I'll walk in wisdom. I'll walk in knowledge. I'll walk in miracles. And I'll walk in perfect love. Show me how to love perfectly. And show me where I'm not. Highlight my life. Fill me with your spirit. Whenever, however, and whatever it looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all so much.